on YouTube. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome everybody to the Safina Saadi Nothing But Facts live stream. Okay. Nothing But Facts live stream uh, in which we have uh, today it's Affairs of the Ummah. Okay. In which we are to first going to somewhere we haven't really been for affairs of the Ummah, and that is Russia with Vladimir Putin. Okay, what has he done? He has apparently, for whatever reason, who knows what the reason is, maybe you've seen, you know, many reasons behind this. Okay, um, he wants to. Uh, respect the Quran, and he is going to give a life uh, 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 a, a prison sentence for anyone who disrespects the Quran. I'll take it. I guess. Why not? Uh, I'm trying to think, like, you know, what's uh, behind this? Except that he has good relations with uh, Russian with, with, with Muslims. Now he does. Although there used to be war, but now. I know a lot of people hate the who is he the Chechen president uh, Ramzan Kadyrov, right? That's his name, Ramzan Kadyrov. A lot of Muslims like hold him to be a sellout. Okay, but he's Putin's boy, so uh, I guess maybe that's the reason. Russian President Vlad Putin said that anyone found guilty of burning the Quran will have to serve their sentence in the Federation's prominently. Uh, Muslim regions. Putin was quoted by Russia's TASS news agency yesterday as stating they will serve their sentences. Okay. As stated by the Minister of Justice in places of deprivation of liberty located in one of the regions of Russia with prominently, predominantly Muslim population. His comments were reported, reportedly made during a meeting with military commissars. Okay. The quote exactly is those guilty of burning the Qur'an will serve their sentence in the Muslim region of the Russian Federation. Okay. His statement comes after Nikita Zuravel, resident of the Volgograd, was detained last month after being suspected of burning a copy of the Qur'an in front of a mosque. Okay. The act, which was recorded, prompted outrage in particular the Muslim-majority Republic of Chechnya. Okay. Thousands protest, protested. Now some people say, hold on a second, don't Muslims burn the Qur'an when they want to uh, get rid of it? Or dispose of it, I should say? Yeah, but it's about the intention. That's what it's about. It's not about just the act. It's the intention. Okay. So... You know one thing I don't I, I, uh, uh, do with Putin? I don't take, I don't do taqlid of the West and just hate Putin for the sake of it. Right? Because the West, whether, of course they're going to highlight all the stuff that he does killing people. Like, we're so innocent. Like, why would I support Putin, or be against Putin and for the West? I'll have to have my own reasons. Yeah, he, 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 he's, he does his stuff, right? He does his stuff. Bad stuff. So CIA does bad stuff. Like, like CIA is, is not some innocent organization either. 
So, but you can't say anything so uh, in Russia against the president, which to me doesn't really bug me because I'm not political in the first place. I'm not political in the first place. I, I, I don't have anything to say either way. Um, but I, I don't mind to be against Putin, but I just won't do it out of taqlid, right? You're drinking Coke yeah. with ice? Yeah. I thought you are healthy. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Is that all you ate? But is that all you're going to eat the whole day? Okay, because because if that's all you eat, then that's fine, right? Yeah. You know. Okay, you're going to burn it off anyway. All right. According to the Moscow Times, lawyers and activists have warned. That the decision to transfer Zervel's case to Chechen investigators put him at risk of torture or even death. Russia's investigative committee have claimed that the accused confessed to having acted in exchange for $125, which is 10,000 ruble, payment from Ukraine's intelligence agencies. Following the incident, Minister of Justice of Russia, Konstantin Chuchenko, proposed after the verdict is passed, the person who committed the crime should be sent to serve his sentence. Lashes, public lashes. You, you burn the Quran publicly. Why should you be punished privately? Publicly. Same spot where you did it. Taken in the public square. Lashes. The verdict on Juravel's case has not, been yet, has not yet been passed, although the Caucasian, not a website, cited a lawyer uh, who explained that according to the law, Criminal cases should be investigated at the place where the crime was committed. Okay, the man is sent to the region where, due to circumstances of this case and the specifics of the region, there is reasonable risk of torture. Well, then, he shouldn't have done it then, right? Okay. Earlier this year, Russia denounced the burning of a copy of the Quran in the Swedish capital, Stockholm, by Rasmun, Rasmun Paladin. So... This is the second time, there's a, the second time that I heard Putin, like, having some kind of, I guess you could say, sympathetic, right, uh, sympathetic view towards Muslims, you know? Have you, you noticed this? Like there was one time where he 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 actually had a thing where he's basically saying that he has a, he's wants to honor and respect the religion of Islam. Let's 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 look this up because it's getting interesting. Putin and Islam. Maybe because we don't do the rainbow flags either. He's he's um he's anti. Oh yeah, he's anti. He's big time anti. All right, let's look at this. They they almost like iced out Russia from the Olympics because of uh, Rainbow, because he's against Rainbow, huh? Iced him out. Yeah. See, all, only the English major figured that out. Only the English. All right, let's read from Newsweek. Far from the front line of the war in the Ukraine, battle lines of a different kind were drawn when residents of a Moscow district opposed residents of Moscow opposed 
the proposal for a, a big mosque, 60,000 worshipers by a lake, okay? But the lake is cherished by or Russian Orthodox believers, okay? So like a, a, a big masjid, 60,000, that's huge, okay? In February, people in Kosino uh, Oktomsky started to voice anger at this Muslim complex, which would include a Muslim center and educational facilities. President of the predominantly Muslim Russian Republic of Chechnya, Raz, uh, Ramzan Kadyrov, that's what I told you, fiercely loyal to Russian President Putin, called on anti-Moss demonstrators to show your patriotism by going into the trenches in the Ukraine. Oh, so you love Russia so much you don't want the mosque? Why don't you go to Ukraine? That's what he said. Prominent MMA fighters also weighed in on opposing the mosque, while a video message by Chechens from the battlefield warned they could also wage war on the Orthodox protesters in Moscow. So they went at it, okay? After weeks of demonstrations, Moscow Mayor Sergei Sovyanin announced on April 5th the mosque would be shifted to a much smaller site elsewhere. The decision got the backing of the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church, okay? He was another close Putin ally. So Putin's two friends here are fighting, okay? The spat over the mosque is part of an ongoing surge in religious tensions, including those among Russian servicemen and mercenaries fighting in Ukraine. Okay, meaningless war. The tension, this tension is largely caused by the influx of Muslim soldiers into the Russian army. Along with Putin's uh, arguments about NATO encroachment on Russia and denazification as reasons for the war, Kremlin propaganda has also portrayed the full-scale invasion as a fight for what Putin has dubbed the unity of the uh, Orthodox Christians, Christian Russians, and Ukrainians. Muslims make up roughly a tenth of Russia's population. What? I never knew that. It was it, it, Muslims in England are not even a tenth. Muslim, Muslims in certain cities of England are a tenth or more. Yeah, because they swallowed up those Dagestan, Chechnya. Muslims make up a tenth of Russians, Russia's population, and adherents of the faith fighting in Ukraine for Putin are dying. You know, for for the Russian Federation. I'm sorry to say, but it's a meaningless death. Kadyrov's forces, which are part of Russia's National Guard, okay, have a prominent profile. All right, so I'm waiting for this article to actually get juicy a little bit here, but it's it's not really a great article, to be honest with you. Muslims have joined the Wagner Group, which is a bunch of mercenaries. Okay, just mercenaries. Yeah, discrimination discrimination against Muslims not uncommon. Another thing, you know, they fought Muslims for like thousands of years, hundreds of years to be more accurate, and now, oh, they're discriminating. Of course, you're lucky that they haven't killed you, right? <laughs> and who? Where is there some kind of uh, uh, law out there in the world that says that? You know, everyone's got to love everybody else. All the tribes have to love each other. These orc tribes, they fought for religious reasons, for other reasons, that fought each other for hundreds upon hundreds of years, right? What is this shock that Russians, that there is a, you know, a contingent in Russia that doesn't like Muslims? You know what I mean? Here, there. this is Ramzan Kadyrov, basically Russell Crowe. 
going on to Erterul. That's essentially him. Okay. Anyway, it's not it's not really a great article to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I want something like uh, there's too much background in the article. You know, when they like give you so much background and. Uh. <laughs> All right, so here was this. This is not like a massive thing, but for a guy like Putin who doesn't have to do any of this stuff, he says he extended aid greetings to Muslims. Okay, he extended aid greetings for the month of Ramadan to Muslims. Uh, it's with great satisfaction that I note how the adherents of Islam in our country show deep respect for their centuries-old paternal, historical, religious, and cultural traditions, Okay, and that they are introducing the youth to these traditions. Okay, I, uh, Stuff said by the head of state does have a trickle-down effect. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing is about he's like just telling everybody about end of time stuff from the Muslims' perspective. He's saying like, really, in the end, every, all the Muslims are going to be with the Russians fighting everybody else. And, and that's why um, Imran Hussein is all about the Russians. He loves the Russians more than he loves the Turks. Yeah, he does. He has he has videos like this. So. Okay, so according to the Russian president, the Muslim Ummah has been leading an exemplary life of good deeds and benevolent undertakings. It has been actively developing interaction with public and social organizations while tirelessly paying attention to education and charitable initiatives. So he's praising Muslims for belief, good deeds, family, and transmitting it. The Western countries would praise Muslims for being a minority, right, for, their, for, an, for identitarian purposes. Right, you see the big difference here. So none of these qualities would be why, like the White House, would praise Muslims. Would not praise Muslims for believing, family values, doing good deeds, having faith, and passing it down to your kids. It would more be more like you're another minority. Okay. Yeah, it's basically it. And give us your vote. All right, Muslim fighters in special military ops. All right, protecting Russia. Putin also praised the valuable contribution of Muslim organizations in maintaining inter-ethnic and inter-religious communication. Okay. Um, it's deeply gratifying that the followers of Islam in our country have a deep respect for the country's traditions, he said. Um, if I'm a Muslim from the East, you probably want, prefer this than antagonism. You can't antagonize this guy, right? Yeah. He's going to crush you. It doesn't mean that you are just running to his lap for, for, you know, for approval or anything. But this is not some kind of thing where you have some kind of case if he comes against you. There's no human rights watch. There's nothing in that, that in Russia. So better just to have the, um, the bear be smiling than to be after you because uh, you're not winning that. That's where Ramzan Kadyrov, I think he made that that guess that gamble it is a, a timely opportunity to acknowledge shared values that bind us together compassion charity okay that's it basically so he has some um so muslims in in russia i guess have something uh okay some kind of 
ease in their living at this point in time. Okay. Let's go to what else we have in the news today. News of the Ummah. Now we shift from Russia. We go to Bilad al-Hind. We go to Hind, Hindustan. Muslim, as they used to call it in the old days. Uh, Madhya Pradesh. Is that an area? What do you mean? You're Indian. No. You're not Indian? I think of Omar. Omar is Indian. You're, you're what? Iranian and Bengali? <laughs> A lot of different things. Ahmed Ali is more Indian than me, I think. Muslim family issues death threats to their Hindu son-in-law. It's not son-in-law. It's Zina. <laughs> A Muslim girl who married her Hindu boyfriend has requested police protection following death threats from her family. Who is now coercing her husband to embrace Islam, or else they face die concert. This is this is drama dramatization. This is dramatization, man. Seriously, the incident pertains to the civil lines area of Moreno. Here, twenty-one-year-old Naveen Shekia, who is a local, married twenty-year-old Farzana Bano from Mumbai after a relationship of three years. Okay, they eventually made decisions to get married. It's not marriage; it's in. Both families initially objected to the union. However, Naveen's family members approved of it. All right, after a while. But Farzana's family continued their opposition. They started to summon her back to Mumbai. Wait a second. So the girl is the Muslim and her name is Farzana. Okay. As pressure mounted, the pair planned to get married in a temple. Boo. Jeez. <laughs> Naveen's friends joined the wedding... Okay, but Farzana started practicing Hinduism after being a Muslim. So she's okay, gone that route in life. Her father and brother called Naveen as soon as her family learned about the development and urged Naveen to convert to Islam and invited him to Mumbai. Farzana said, My family's threatening us. I told my mother that I am happy, but she is forcing me to return to Mumbai. She warned that you will only listen to us after we kill his maternal grandfather. We, all, we will also bribe the police. He will have to convert if you stay married. So she said that on the phone, which could have been recorded. Not a smart criminal. Right? They told me to become Muslim and stated that they will get us married. I responded that I cannot renounce my religion. They threatened that if I don't visit them, they will murder my maternal grandfather. Seems random. Yes. <laughs> he will not see the morning sun. He said, oh. He said, Okay. He said yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> now she's wearing a dubutta and a dot. I'm confused myself. <laughs> Wait, she's got the bindi and the dubutta. So I'm I'm totally confused about this situation now. They declare this is just a bunch of sensationalism by the Hindus, to be honest with you. Drama that has no meaning. Who cares? Okay. They declared that they would only accept the relationship if Naveen becomes a Muslim. And you think that Islam is going to be sincere? In addition, a death threat was also issued if he does not abide by their demands. <laughs> this is a Jahili family. Become Muslim under threat. Did you know that that's not valid? And this affair was going on for three years. Uh. Where were you as parents, right? Now you're upset that she got married. Nothing, everything that happens is this, a lagging scorecard of what you were doing for the last few years, right? <laughs> everything that is happening at this moment is a reflection of what you were doing years ago. 
But this is more like Finn Mahindi. No, this is Finn Mahindi. Like, Finn Mahindi. This is Finn Mahindi. This is what we call uh, in Egypt Finn Mahindi, where it's like marriage, but it's extremely dramatic, right? It's like, but this is crazy level. Usually Finn Mahindi, it's, it's heart-wrenching, not political or... Uh, so they declare, not that I've ever seen one, but that's what I'm assuming, right? The, that these Bollywood movies are all about. Bollywood movies essentially about, it's a love story that's extremely dramatic. Okay? <laughs> that's what the expression film Hindi is all about. They declared that they would only accept it if he becomes a Muslim, otherwise death. The accused threatened to kill him as well as his maternal grandfather if he refused to follow their dictates. Troubled by the grave threats, the husband and wife met with the police. Okay. And request. And then they went to channel uh, Rajesh Singh Chindel. I guess that's the mayor. According to Naveen, he will not change his religion. A couple has complained that the girl's family members are constantly threatening to kill him. That's the story. Okay. <laughs> You know, this wouldn't even be a story if, if it wasn't just a couple of brown people. Like, yeah. Somebody's reporting on the trailer park where the same thing is pretty much going down. Which trailer park? I mean, like any trailer park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Type of oh, they're having dra dramas all the time, yeah. All right, now we move from Russia to India. Back to the United States. Activists rally Congress. What? <laughs> <laughs> I only wanted to stay in India. Listen to this. <laughs> Activists rally Congress to create a Muslim Heritage Month to celebrate diversity. Now, I don't want to be part of some diversity month, to be honest with you. I don't want to be part of some tacky diversity month. Maybe there's some good in it. But by the way, it's, it's a lame thing. It's a fail. <laughs> Heritage Month. Muslim Heritage Month. The marketing is, is lame. The excitement is zero. Okay? It's zero. It's academic. It's uh, a, a segment in a class, okay? But maybe there's good in it. Let's see what it says. Muslims have a long history in the United States. Back to the time of slavery. I would think even before, but it's not really the, the before slavery. Before Christopher Columbus came, Muslims had come around. We're just going to have to see how authoritative the documentation is, but because it's in Muslim maps, there are Moroccan maps that have west of Morocco, the sea, and then a land which they called unknown territories. Ard Majhula. Mm -hmm. So even before that. But that's not like history. That's just you knew it existed. Okay. They knew it existed and they had come there. Oops. They had gone there. They had went there. Okay. Back to slavery. With adherents of Islam, some say being one out of five slaves were Muslims. And some adherents to Islam served in every war, including the Revolutionary War. All right. It's by circumstance, it's not like a source of pride or anything. <laughs> Why would it be a source of pride? You, you were involved in a nation's war. Big deal. Right? Really big deal. If someone tells you, oh, uh, way in Korea, there was a Muslim, and he was involved in the Korean Civil War. Does that make, how does that make us happy? Like, what would be the big deal? Anyway. And while the religion is often associated with the nation's Arab Americans, the reality is far more diverse. Black Americans, Asian Americans are a large segment of the community. Definitely, probably the number 
one Asian in terms of numbers, and then I would say that Arabs and African Americans probably close to each other, right? Uh, there are some reasons behind the campaign from Muslim Americans this week in Washington, D.C. to advocate for federal recognition of Muslim American Heritage Month that would celebrate the community, one that has experienced sustainable levels of bias since 9-11. Great job by the USA Today to bring up 9-11 in some way, shape, and form <laughs> to ensure that it's in the subconscious of the reader. <laughs> These things are tr tricks. These are like little, little subliminal tricks, just... Of course, you're saying, oh, they faced uh thing, but you did mention it, right? You mentioned it, right? Yeah. What'd you say? It's like a jab. Like, yeah, like you, you did You did mention it, right? Just the mention of 9-11, it kills the whole thing, right? It doesn't make a difference how you're saying it, okay? It's like saying, alhamdulillah, remember that time you, your, your, your wife was accused of zina and she turned out to be innocent? <laughs> it's like, why say it? Why would you say this, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Being such a diverse community, we're not always aware of each other's accomplishments as Americans, so it's a way for our children to have a sense of belonging and pride. Another great adjective there. Uh, <laughs> especially in the face of adversity uh, that the community has faced in the last two decades. It's just, I'm saying that it's not exciting. It's not original. It's just bland. It's Muslim Heritage Month. We're going to do the same thing. Okay, we invented coffee. We invented the zero. We, the first person to try to fly. The first optometrist. It's not, it, it, there needs to be something more gripping. The marketing for the gays was 10 times better. <laughs> they picked a spring month. They picked a wonderful, colorful flag that your eyes just can't stop. You know, you can't not notice it, Right. They had top-notch marketing, okay? And now you're just going to give me some academic month heritage. That's history. What about now? Yeah. What about now? That's history. <sighs> not to be totally negative, but um, it's just not exciting. The group reported receiving more than 6,000 reports of anti-Muslim incidents in 2020 alone. You think Muslim Heritage Month is going to change that? It doesn't trigger not one piece of emotion. Muslim Heritage Month. Because it's about death. Like, it's about... Like, it's about... The past. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's a heritage. Keep it there. That's what they want. Yeah, they, keep they it there. They want us to be a living religion. Yeah, keep it there. Uh, look that up, please. Open that up, what you guys are looking at. Yeah. The effort is part of National Muslim Advocacy Day. Wow, how lame is that? <laughs> National Muslim Advocacy Day. It's, like, up there with Secretary's Day, right? <laughs> One of these lame things that's on the calendar. I'm just putting it from a from an immediate reaction point of view, okay, that they would put it out there so that they could say they put it out there, but it's in a way that's not going to trigger any, it doesn't trigger anything here. There are about three and a half to four million Muslims in the United States. It's got to be more because when I was young, it was the same number. Oh. It's got to be more, but it doesn't make a difference. Or the number of American mosques have doubled from 1,200 to 2,700 in only 20 years. Prominent Muslim Americans include names like NBA great Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. Maharshala Ali, who is, we would consider he's not actually a Muslim. He's a Qadiani. But 
they're putting him as Muslim. Yasin Bey, formerly known as Most Deaf. Bella Hadid, fashion model. I don't know if she... She's a Muslim, yeah. Bella and Gigi Hadid are Palestinians. Uh, because her dad, he is a real estate mogul in L.A. Yeah. And our real estate mogul in New York knows him. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if they did deals together, but they know each other. Ilhan Omar, Andre Carson, and Rashida Tlaib. I'll be fine if you... I don't want to be associated with this thing. <laughs> in the past several decades, America has made a point of recognizing minority communities. Yeah, so we get a pat on the head too, basically. The American Muslim community is the most ethnically diverse religious community in the U.S. and has been in this country since its founding. Okay, but so much of that history has been lost on the average American. Okay. A handful of states already celebrate Muslim American Heritage Month. Does it do anything for you, Yassine? Do you get pumped? Do you feel like this is, I'm, I'm into this now? When someone says, hey, it's Muslim American Heritage Month. Habib, you're a regular dude. <laughs> do you get, do you, does anything move in the meter? Right? Does your meter move at all and say, hey, it's American Muslim Heritage Month? It doesn't move the meter. It's bad marketing. It's bad everything. It's like, it's nice that you're giving us this, this but you're, you're being courteous in a way that is almost like designed to fail. Designed not to be exciting. It's lame. When you yeah. see these type of things, it's like, it's like they push these things on you. It's like, okay, they're trying to like include us. Yeah, yeah. You, you can also sense like that sense of fakeness. It's like, you know, that jolly person. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's some heritage money? Yeah, it's like, why do you care? Come on, like, why do you care? Like, oh, yeah, exactly. What's your, what's your agenda? Like, <laughs> like, what's your agenda? Like, Remember when we went to that event in Ramadan? Yeah. Well, exactly. That was... <laughs> was like, I'm not going to say which event we went to, but we went to an event in Ramadan. All these people so happy with the Muslim community. Oh, yeah. Like, why are you so happy in the Muslim community? Yeah. I know that, like, you can tell, like, there's an agenda somewhere. And one guy, his wife is Armenian. They hate us, right? (laughs) Armenians hate Muslims more than anyone else. Anyway. Anything could be a form of Tao, right? But that doesn't mean that it's good. This is poor marketing. This is something that is a a, a zero on the reaction scale. This is no different than Secretary's Day. In its presentation, the courtesy is wonderful. I like the, the idea that people care about this stuff. Fine, I'm going to take them at their face value. Uh, very nice of you, thank you. But and Muslim American Heritage Month, it just seems to me that it's going to be a repetition of the same. Okay, Muhammad Ali is there, right? It's it's going to be like stuff with maybe I don't know, maybe you know. Ideas, like when we say, when we speak about that, then I'll be like, no, that's too much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, can't take this. they like pick and choose what they want. I don't care about Muslim Heritage Month. How about Islam? Yeah. How about Islam? Yeah. The, right. How about that? Having a month comes from conquest month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The idea of having a month, I think, comes from like a sense of entitlement. Yeah. I mean, like, look at the month for June, 
uh, for example. What are they going to give us, like, it's like January the, when it's yeah, dead? Yeah, like, the, the entire... It's like, you don't need a month to appreciate us or to recognize us. Just do that. Yeah. You know, it's like the whole idea, like, you know, like, there's, like, Father's Day, your birthday. Yeah, yeah. Mother's Day. It's like, oh, we're going to select this one Thanksgiving. We're going to select this one day out of the year. Yeah. And we're going to focus on this. Yeah. Just focus on it throughout the entire year. Make it a part of your life. Yeah. It's like, there's all this, like, celebration and singling out of it. Well, it, it, it makes sense Weird. that you take some idea and everyone does it at one shot. So it, you can't miss it. Mm. Right? But, yeah, but that's such a liberal thing to do. You don't think it's a regular human being no, thing I to do? It's a very liberal thing. Like, think about Ramadan. Let, let, like, what if Allah said fast the, 30 days a year? Everyone just fast 30 days a year. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, you would know better whether it comes from that. But, like, I imagine, like, this very liberal person. That's like so excited about like their birthday or like another holiday in the year. Yeah. And they're like they're getting together for like the festivities of it. And like, but then like once the day passes, they don't care about it anymore. Yeah. That but, strikes me as like a little. But here's concept. the thing is that every year that something comes around, you give it attention. You give it attention again. You give it attention again. Eventually your baseline of knowledge about it over the years is going to be higher. Right. Think about like think about Ramadan. Think about Rabi al Awal. The same concept. Yeah. Right? It's like let's pack it all. We're all doing it in this month. It becomes easier to do. Right? But I would rather a day appreciating the religion of Islam. Right? Of course that's never gonna happen. <laughs> but but I uh Check it out when it is. When is it? A handful of states already celebrate Muslim American Heritage Month, including Illinois, New Jersey. I never knew that. See, I didn't know it, right? Utah, Washington. There are nine heritage months, okay? There are nine. All written into law and enforced, reinforced by annual presidential proclamations. Black History Month is February. Asian and Pacific Islander Heritage Month is in May. Jewish Heritage Month is also in May. No respect to the Asians. No respect to the Pacific Islanders. All right, just tack you up together. Cram you all in. Hispanic Heritage Month is not even in a month. It's September 15th to October 15th. No, no respect. When are, when are you going to do Muslim American Heritage Month? From August 11th to September 11th? Muslim American Heritage Month is a way to educate not only our community, but all Americans says McCaw on uh, on our positive impact previous resolutions recognize Muslim American Heritage Month were unsuccessfully introduced <laughs> by Cory Booker and Karen Bass what were they trading votes for with whom were they trading votes for this I mean I'm, I'm just a bit sour because I don't like the, the lameness of it okay in, in contrast with like even let's say St. Pa Patrick's Day Pride Month. That's like bright, powerful marketing. All right. This is just sort of like a school homework assignment. That's what I think of it. Draw a picture, color it, stick it on the wall because it's Muslim American Heritage Month. Do a book report, right? It just seems to me like there's zero excitement. We already have days. Just have them celebrate our days. Yeah. Do it with us. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah. 
You can just do the aid. Yeah, yeah. Just do the aid. Yeah. Kill some with us. They can't do it because it keeps moving around the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> they need to organize things. Yeah. Is there like a department that serves some kind of uh, <laughs> like, yeah. like who's, who's coming up like they got a board of like yeah who which this out over here. which group in the congress or the senate does this okay um all right let's let's go to five pillars uk see what they got going on There's always some drama in the UK. Okay. Man jailed for calling violence against Muslims, Jews, and gays. He didn't leave anyone out. <laughs> A proper Nazi, as the British would call him. A 50-year-old man from Sulhikul, or what is this? Sulhul, has been jailed for almost four years after admitting posting material online, which called for violence against Muslims, Jews, and gays. Uh, Dilly, get rid of this box that says get news, right? While I'm reading the article, a subscription box pops up. Dilly Hossein, Blood Brothers podcast. It was a good podcast. We went back and forth. Richard Osborne was convicted of stirring up racial hatred as well as supporting a far-right banned terrorist group online. He received a three-year and ten months... Was this idea? Three year and ten month, <laughs> ten months uh, sentence to count of to two counts of publishing material intended to provoke racial hatred and homophobia. Osborne um, often posted graphic racist material on his VK profile, ranging from Holocaust denial, anti-Jewish, anti-black cartoons, violent removal of Muslims, Jews, blacks. All right, the guy's just a quack. All right, he's a neo-Nazi white supremacist. All right, his property was searched, and they found a baton and a metal bar. <laughs> so he is charged with offensive weapons in a public space. At his home, a shotgun was found under a bed, so he was charged with possessing that without a license. He pleaded guilty to all the offenses at court. All right, so that's the end of that story. All right, um... He has his views are extreme and not welcome in society, says, you know, some official. Okay. All right. UK health authorities warn Hajj pilgrims about a viral respiratory illness. Okay. If you're going to Hajj, apparently there is a viral, a virus, a respiratory virus. Well, sounds, wasn't that COVID? Wasn't COVID a respiratory virus? Ah, ah, Ahmed, you're a pharmacist. You, you know that, right? Okay. <laughs> He's had enough exams. Like yeah, <laughs> had enough of it. The UK Health Agency, National Travel Network, say that large gatherings such as Hajj and Umrah are associated with unique health risks and travelers should practice good general health. Dude, Washing with soap and water. The, you know Why are like, you telling us what to do? Who is this? We've been doing this for 1,400 years. We don't need the UK Health Agency, okay, to tell us to wash our hands. Talk about, like, completely... <laughs> yeah. Guys don't take ghosts. Don't, <laughs> don't do any of that stuff. <laughs> you don't... We have something called a lota. Okay. 
MERS COVID, it's called. MERS COVID. MERS COVID. It's a virus, respiratory. Fever, coughing, shortness of breath. It is spread from camels to humans. <laughs> you guys. First, hold on a second. You told me that COVID spread from them eating rats and bats. That turned out to be a lie, right? It's out there. The evidence is out there. It turned out to be a lie. It was lab made and it was a lab leak. We'll read that next. <laughs> now, because, because it's an Arab virus, you're going to tell me it comes in camels. Let's look at the pattern that's going on here. AIDS from Africa. Monkeys. You're always blaming an animal. I don't know. Always blaming some animal. Where are the leftist Muslims to, to get all bent out of shape because they said it comes from a camel? Wash your hands with soap and water or alcohol-based sanitizers, especially after coughing and sneezing. Okay. Did, how patronizing is this article? Okay. Use disposable tissues when coughing or sneezing. And dispose of them in the wastebasket. Is this kindergarten? Consider wearing a face mask in crowded places. Can't do that when you're in Hajj. This is not like a new thing, right? We're not just doing this. This is not the first year yeah. that Hajj has come around. L listen to this. Avoid contact with camels. Where do you think people are going? <laughs> is this Aladdin? They're going like in the middle of camels and stuff. You go to the Arab world and spend two months, you'll never see a camel. Uh, who's writing this? This is such a pa this is hilariously patronizing, actually. Okay. Okay. Avoid contact with animal waste such as feces and urine. What do you think is happening in Hajj? Avoid drinking raw milk or eating raw or undercooked meat. And while abroad or returning home to the UK, pilgrims returning from Hajj and Umrah should look out for symptoms. Okay. If these symptoms occur, seek help from a medical facility. Additionally, if individuals develop any of these symptoms within 14 days, all right, prompt the local GP or NHS 111. Man. Okay. Uh, travelers are strongly urged, says Richard Paulson of the MERS COVID at uh, the UK Health uh, Association or whatever it's agency. Travelers are strongly urged to refrain from contact with camels. <laughs> what does he think is going on over there? Are you kidding? Um, two, three million people make hajj. They don't see a camel once in their life, in the whole trip. How many camels are there? Two, two million? I went to Umrah. I went to hajj. <laughs> Multiple times. Didn't see a camel at all. Not even in the road. Habib, didn't we just go? What does this guy think is going on? Avoid camels. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is just like, what world is... They just want to cause problems with the camels. They just want an excuse it's sort of to bass the camels. This is sort of hilarious, to be honest with you. kind of spread like fear within people that are going. Because I know like some people, they would yeah. miss and like lose it. Yeah. I'm going to go to Hudson and get like... Camel virus. I'm planning on all these camels and... Camel virus. My gosh. It reminded me of the State Department's travel advisory website. What does it say? We're like, they'll have like level three threat for Morocco. Yeah. And say, um, um, 
like consider consider caution yeah. due to terrorist activity. Yeah. Like in Morocco. It's like there's like three terrorists in Morocco. <laughs> <laughs> and then Wait, and, like, and like for Egypt they'll say the same thing. Or, yeah. Or for or, or for like France they'll say like level two. And, it's, and, like, uh, it's like they clearly don't want people to leave to the country. To, yeah. And so they're putting up these fake advisories conflating the issue. And then what about uh would would the terrorists be attacking other Muslims? Is that what they're saying? I have no clue. <laughs> they check passports first, maybe? Make sure I, getting, I would go on the site showers. for like the COVID requirements. Yeah. And see that it's like like level three advisory for like <laughs> Normal random Muslim country. It's yeah. extremely dramatic. Yeah. All right, let's listen to this. Okay. Because you all told us, the media, you told us that COVID came from, from an animal. Okay. You told us that AIDS came from a monkey. COVID came from a bat. MERS COVID is now coming from a camel. So you guys have uh, a, not a great track record because... All right, the monkey thing proved is it's not you can't prove it in the first place. AIDS came from a monkey. That means you're blaming some African person of doing an act of bestiality with a monkey. Then it's somehow spread upwards, whereas in fact it doesn't trace like that at all. That's all AIDS research. You could look it up. Now, the possibility of COVID having been leaked from a lab should not be ruled out, says the BBC. Now, notice what they said that. It leaked from a lab. They're not even saying that they're not even, it's assumed there that it was made in the lab. <laughs> so it's the leak that we're talking about, not the, that where, where the originated. Okay. BBC four, an interview. Professor Gao says, you can always suspect anything that science don't rule anything out. It's a non-statement. Okay. It's a non-statement. Okay. Professor Gao. Yeah, no, that's Spell? Uh, G-O-W, right? G-A-O. Oh, no, never mind. Yeah. I think there's probably a lot of people with the name. No, yeah, no, but he was like very, like, he specialized in like, COVID? That's like respiratory, like, and, uh, what's it called? Nitric oxide. Uh, okay, so. Yeah. yeah, so it was made in a lab. Okay. Just whatever, whatever the news feeds people, that's yeah. what the truth is at any given point in time. Unless, until it, like, touches your sensibilities. Mm -hmm. If it's something you don't like, then no, we'll go back yeah. to the last thing. Let's go to the New York Times. Lab leak is the most likely cause of the pandemic. Most likely cause. This is New York Times. Okay. The conclusion, which was made with low confidence came as America's intelligence agency remained divided over the origins of coronavirus. New intelligence has prompted the energy department to conclude that an accidental lab leak in China most likely caused the coronavirus pandemic. Though U.S. spy agencies remain divided over the origins of the virus. Okay. Uh, the conclusion was a change from the department's earlier position that it was undecided. Hold on, where about the bats? You you all said bats, and nobody can deny you said bats. <laughs> right? <laughs> they don't mention when they make a mistake. Yeah. It's not going to come up again. 
Some officials briefed on the intelligence said that it was relatively weak and that the energy department's conclusion was made with low confidence. Okay, officials would not disclose what the intelligence was. Okay, intelligence officials believe the scrutiny of the pandemic's beginnings could be important to improving global response to future health crises. Just think about this. A worldwide uh, pandemic breaks out. It all starts in the city in which there is a internationally funded virus lab what are the chances that's just just by that the common person knows that this is obviously the origin not the marketplace there are marketplaces everywhere in the world right that sell all sorts of different things that may not be clean yet why from the marketplace in the same city that has an internationally funded virus lab which it is well known they make viruses it doesn't have to be with a bad intent they create viruses in order to like learn how they work it doesn't have to be like we're saying that they do it with a bad intent but they do it so what are the chances also lots of people have eaten bats before Ozzy ate a bat people have been eating eating bats all the time and worse than bats bush meat and things like that this is the same thing that you've mentioned before about like other topics. Like yeah. The media telling you one thing, trying to mm-hmm. manipulate you when like right before your eyes. the obvious Yeah, thing. exactly. And just repeating the same thing. Repeat this. Well, repeat, now, repeat, repeat. This time they're backtracking and saying, oh, yeah, it was this because too many facts are out there now. But even when they put it, you know, they say like with low confidence, then why write the article with it about it? Obviously writing the article because, um, Okay, so here, the lab leak origin for COVID-19 is not conspiracy theory. It's a possible theory, okay? That's what he's, he's telling you it's not, okay? Totally, totally. Now that they, they know that there's not going to be fear, uproar, and people are going to go crazy, they, they're saying it, okay? China is infuriated by what they call lab leak theory but are pointing the finger at a U.S. lab. Wait a second, but it started in... It didn't start in the U.S., right? It started in Wuhan. Okay. That's what they, that's what they're saying. <laughs> well, they're saying that, that we're just saying that. I mean, like, honestly, honestly, how do you believe anyway? But the glo- globally, we all know it started in China. You know... In January, way back. You know the brother we had? Yeah. Was actually from that area? I don't know if you remember his name. Ibrahim Uyghur. Yeah. Yeah. What did he say? He was telling me stories of like when at first it was an outbreak. Yeah. He said like, it, like they they flipped the script in the government to tell them like U.S. did it and the attack us. That were involved in this, like he said they would like take them like at night and like like pick them. Uh, up oh them yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Because it's evidence. Yeah. yeah. But they blamed it all on U.S. They're like, so the whole country still believes like, oh U.S. spread this and. <laughs> And like we're like, wait, what? Like, Crazy. It's complete opposite. It's complete opposite. Uh, an updated intelligence assessment about the origins of COVID nineteen okay, has reopened the long simmering and unsolved debate about how the virus came to be, and will fuel a new committee of House Republicans have created to investigate the issue. How do you want that committee? Science. How do you trust any of these guys anyway? Like, why? What knowledge do you have? Hold on a second. Uh, while scientists predominantly oops, ooh, 
While science still predominantly believe the virus occurred naturally in animals and spread to humans in, the mar- in a market in Wuhan, the U.S. Department of Energy's Office of Intelligence and Counterintelligence is now the second tentacle of the U.S. government intelligence apparatus, along with the FBI, to endorse lab leak theory. Okay? The, that, the, that the virus occurred as a result of work in a Chinese lab. Yeah. It's commonplace. Then why hasn't it exploded since? Then why why did this strain get so strong? Why was that this strain so strong? Yeah. Well, that's what they do at the Wuhan lab. They 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 they're doing experiments, right? Anyway, uh, but. Point being, my point from that is that they say stuff like, they, they say these things, such as uh, deriving from a camel or whatever, bird flu, Nile virus, right? Uh, it just sounds funny. That's all I can say. I can't say it's not 100% true. It just, it, but it's a ridiculous statement. UK Muslims, when you go to Hajj, do not interact with camels. Uh, it's just not something that, Ever happens so anyway. Even if it did, who are you to tell them not to interact with camels? Yeah, let them let them play with the camels. Like. <laughs> <laughs> now here is something sad. Listen to this. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Fourteen-year-old Muslim boy, Hamdan Aslam, he died following an unexplained incident at a Scottish secondary school. Okay. Oh, this is the, one. the pupil was taken to hospital but died in Okay. With counseling set up for other students following the incident. At 1.20 p.m., officers were called to report of concern for a 14-year-old boy at Bathgate. He was taken by an ambulance to the hospital for treatment but died. Now, what was the reason for the death? We can confirm that emergency services were called to the school following an isolated incident. All parents and the pupils directly have been in contact were assisted. But what was the incident? Head teacher Andrew Sharkey added, our thoughts and prayers with the family. So they don't say what incident happened though. Like why did he, why did he die? They don't really say. Because they were, they were wrestling, right? Yeah. SubhanAllah. Sort of an interesting uh, day today on the, in terms of the news. Nothing like, just so interesting uh, Camels, Heritage Month. Heritage Month, camels. I guess no no real good news is good news. Bollywood, uh, dramatic. Uh, okay. Let's see what, a couple questions and then we go to the Wednesday dua. Let's see what we got here. I guess you could say in, a, in Muslim news too that um, Omar Suleiman released a video addressing every single point that people were upset with him for. Like why he poured the water, why he had um, went to the Pulse nightclub thing, things like that. He addressed it. I thought a lot of people thought it was um, really good that he addressed it. 
Can we eat bats? Makru. Because they're vermin. They're not fowl. They're vermin. Okay. Bats are vermin in the Madiki school. What are they in the Hanafi school? I don't know. I was asking the Desi over there. We have a room all Madikiya here. Where okay. the country? <laughs> there was a lot of insane, uh, insane Qomlut uh, stuff, gender stuff, like permitting guys to um, play sports with women against women. Yeah. And and the the spokesperson from the White House, she's on another world, man. She's in another world. She's in another world. She's saying basically, someone said to her, "How does this? How do I ensure that my daughter is not going to compete against boys?" And she said, "Well, the underlying premise in your question is that trans women are dangerous, and that's a dangerous idea. Look at how she spun it around into La La Land." But we skipped all that today. I don't even know what side she's on with that statement, though. That's like, <laughs> I can go a lot of different ways. Obviously, she's like on the liberal side because she's saying that is in itself is a dangerous idea. Yeah. That's if idea. Like, that's if she's approving of like dangerous in a positive way. Like, if she's on the trans side. But if she's like saying that <laughs> it's dangerous in like an actual dangerous way, no, then it sounds I, like it's the other way. No, like, you're thinking that they, the trans people are dangerous is a dangerous idea. Yeah. Like, that's obviously. But they want to be dangerous. Right? Like, no, they think being homophobic is dangerous. They think. Yeah, that's a, okay. They think that. that if that's good. That like, if you misgender someone, that's an act of violence against them. Yeah. And then they'll bring up like suicide rates for trans people. They must always and go then, quickly to yeah. the <laughs> and then, suicide. And then, and then, and then say that always. that you not accepting me and that you not um is the cause of su- like, uh, like, suicide. Um, like, like validating who yeah. I think I am, yeah. then that's an act of violence. Yeah. What's, what's and so then, great? whenever anything's brought up, like they bring up, like they bring that up as their only talking. Point. You know, it's great yeah. is just to then bring up the suicide rates for post-trans. It's way hot. Like, look at the people that you do can't transition. do that. You can't. Yeah. You cannot bring up uh, regret. <laughs> yes. People who regret it. Here's Muslim Ahmed says, "How can we claim the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is the best prophet when Allah told us not to compare them?" Number one. The Prophet ﷺ did not say, do not compare them. The Prophet ﷺ said, We do not separate between any of them, meaning all of them are, it is binding for us to believe in them. We must believe in all of them. Okay, But the Prophet himself said that he is Imam of Sayyid al-Khalq. Ana Sayyidu waladi Adam wala fakhr. That he is the Great, the, the, the chief and the master of, of the human race or the humankind, what, sons of Adam, without any pride. In other words, without looking down on anyone or using it to elevate himself. But he's informing us of his status. So that is how. Also, it is known from implicit things, such as who is it that um, led the Salah in the Isra? With all the prophets, it was the Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and we know in fiqh that the Imam should be the most noble of them. Who is it? The one that does the intercession on the Day of Judgment? It's none other than Sayyid Konain, the Prophet peace be upon him. So those are the the implicit indicators of his being the greatest of prophets. Okay, let's go to the dhikr of today. Um. 
If I commit the worst sin in Islam except shirk and I repent each time, can I still go to heaven? Yes. Inshallah ta'ala. Because Allah says He loves the penitents. And Allah hibbut tawabin wa yuhib al-mutatahirin. Why are cats makruh in Maliki fiqh? They're not makruh at all. Oh, in eating. To eat. Yes, they're makruh to eat, not as pets. Because they eat other animals. They have a predatorial element to them. Okay. Okay. Oh, man. You must you almost serve this guy dinner. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A little correction on something Sheikh said a lot uh, last live about Birmingham riots and Lozells. It was between Asians, Bengali and Pakistanis versus Caribbeans, Jamaicans, not Africans. Okay. There you go. There you go. Mm. What was the conversation between yourself and Sheikh Asrar? We conversed on interacting with other du'ats. Sometimes that they're on a different belief. Sometimes they're on a different madhab. And he said that essentially we people are judged by what they say directly. Not necessarily who they're just merely associated with. And he, he said, a point of guidance that I don't think is private, that when we interact with somebody who has said something that was clearly wrong, then um, one of the things we should do is bring it up with them and say, look, we want to work together, but these matters need to be addressed. Right? They need to be addressed. Okay. Uh, question about wudu and nail polish. You need to test them yourself, I believe, that make sure that they are water-soluble. Test it yourself. How do you do that? You could put it, for example, on a piece of paper, right? And then put a drop of water on that piece of paper. Then look at the back bottom of the paper. Or if the table is glass, then you can just take a picture of the bottom of the table. If you see that that drop got wet, then it became wet. Am I permitted to pray in the Maliki Madhab from time to time? I'm a Shafi, but I want to practice the Maliki. Um, it's about using your intellect to choose the Imam that you believe is most worthy of following and then stick to it. Discussion over. Yes, you can love others, but if I believe this is most worthy of following, I stick to that. I don't... But, yeah, and if you did something in... Uh, uh, like another madhab just one time or two times out of the love of that madhab and it doesn't affect the actual act of ibadah its validity they don't think there's any haraj in that but in general that's not the practice of the scholars they just see who is most worthy of following they stick to that madhab and they live by that that's it okay what is a sign of your deeds being accepted a sign that your deed is accepted is that you're grateful for having done it. You give shukr to Allah that you did it. That you are more humbled by doing it. That you ask that you're making dua that it's accepted. That's a sign that your deed is accepted. As opposed to the opposite of those things. That you assume it's accepted. You don't pray for its acceptance. You act boastfully afterwards. And that uh, you, it, it doesn't increase you in gratitude. It increases you in bragging about it. You tell every, you just brag about it. You're using it for the dunya. Those are signs of the opposite of that. Okay. 
Maliki website you told us about yesterday, Merkaz al Imam Malik. If you go or going to Egypt, you go to that website. Merkaz al Imam Malik. Can we use the same logic for water resistant sunscreen on our face? Yes. Yes. I believe, though, that sunscreen within a few minutes, the wind touches your face and it becomes water soluble. And alone is best. How do we stay away from friends who are hypocritical? Don't answer their calls immediately. Like answer two days later. Answer a day later. Answer a couple hours later. So the immediate response time is no longer there. How is the goat? Goat's back at the farm. Maybe we have reunion when we go for the slaughter. But I won't be slaughtering that goat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that goat is not yet ready. No. Needed a, it's too young. Uh, if you are sick and pray for health Are you practicing sabr? Yes It's still sabr How do you educate a masjid uncle on sadl In a concise way When they keep approaching you and your family members <laughs> There's no way There's no way Certain age There's no way to change people's minds Okay Okay so El Saracen you said Al-Waqa'a protects against poverty By making you Feel tranquil in terms of your rizq. Isn't this a material understanding? Maybe the effect is metaphysical in the qadr. Okay, so we addressed this yesterday, but maybe you were off the stream. The thing is that the Prophet ﷺ is not the one who told us that waqa'a brings rizq. It was Sahabi who said it. So that's why Imam al-Haddad said, it could be that the surah itself has a property that jalb rizq. Okay, just like istighfar has a property of attracting risk. He said, however, we cannot make that statement for sure because that is a matter of the unseen and it's a matter of, it's not a statement from the Prophet. It was a statement of the Sahabi. He said, what did you leave up for your family? He says, I left them Surah Al-Waqa'ah to recite every day. So Imam Al-Haddad is the one who said, therefore, it may be that he made an, uh, 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 his own ijtihad that, or observation that by reciting Surah Al-Waqa'ah, you're always thinking of the Akhirah and it's making you content with the dunya. That's why he said that. So we cannot necessarily say something has a property or otherwise, unless it comes from the Prophet's eyes. Like, is what is the hadith exactly? A prophetic hadith. What is it? But it's, it just doesn't say after Asr. Asr after Asr is from um, Sayyidina Anas. There's a hadith that says Bil Layl. Um, the same thing, Surah al Waqiyah, that Sayyidina at night doesn't. Um, Hold on. One will never have poverty. Hadith on Surah al Waqiyah, is it? Because Imam al Haddad. Um, Hold on a second. من قرأ سورة الواقع في كل ليت لم تصبه فاقة أبدا تخريج الحديث. This hadith says whoever recites Surah Al-Waqi'ah every night, he will never have poverty. So it doesn't make you rich. It just doesn't make you not poor. Okay. Um, let's see. وقد أمرت بناتي أن يقرأنها كل ليلة. عبد الله بن مسعود. Okay. 
it has an isnad. It doesn't at that point it doesn't matter if it's uh, weak or sound because it's from fadail al amal. Okay. Ibn Hajar Rajaha Manha Minhad al Khira and Al Hadith and Abi Taiba Faikun Muntak Mukati An Li Adam Isimahi Min Ibn Masoud Kala Anshujao Badahum and Abi Shuja with Thani Hul Matamad Wajawaza Awul Hassan Ibn Katan Fi Bayanifi Mafil Ahkami and Husaid. So this long discussion on the Isnad, but you are correct, there is something that is a hadith directly from Surah Al-Waqa. So, so we can say yeah, maybe it's yes, so, that it won't, you won't be poor. And yeah. then from the Sahaba, we say yeah. that you, it will increase well. Yeah. 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 Okay. Very nice. Very nice. Well done, everyone, on that. Let's go to the dhikr. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim La ilaha illallah al-Malik al-Haqq al-Mubin 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 Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Inna fatahna laka fatham mubina Liaghfira laka Allahu ma taqaddama min dhambika Wa ma taakhar Wa yutimna amatahu alayka Wa yahdiyaka suratan mustaqima Wa yansuraka Allahu nasran aziza وكان عند الله وجيها وجيها في الدنيا والآخرة ومن المقربين وجهت وجيها للذي فطر السماوات والأرض بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نصر من الله وفتح قريب وبشر المؤمنين يا أيها الذين آمنوا كونوا أنصار الله كما قال عيسى بن مريم للحواريين من أنصاري إلى الله قال الحواريون نحن أنصار الله الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيم لا تأخذه السنة وننم لهم في السماوات وما في الأرض من ذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه إلا بما شاء وسع كرسيه السماوات والأرض ولا يؤد أفضهما وهو لالي العظيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لو أنزلنا هذا القرآن على جبل لرأيته خاشعا متصدعا من خشية الله وتلك الأمتان نضربها للناس لا لم يتفكرون هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو عالم الغيب والشهادة والرحمن الرحيم هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر سبحان الله عما يشركون هو الله الخالق البارئ المصور له الأسماء الحسنى يسبح لهما في السماوات والأرض وهو العزيز الحكيم وعيد نفسي بالله تعالى من كل ما يسمع بأذنين ويبصر بعينين ويمشي برجلين ويبطش بيدين ويتكلم بجبدين حصنت نفسي بالله الخالق الأكبر من شر ما أخاف وأحذر من الجن والإنس يا حافظ يا حفيظ يا كافي يا محيط سبحانك يا رب ما أعظم شأنك وعز سلطانك تحسنت بالله بسم الله بآيات الله ملايكت الله وبياء الله ورسول الله وصالحين وبعد الله حسنت نفسي بلا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم اللهم احرسني بعينك التي لا تنام وكنفني بكنفك الذي لا يرام وارحمني بقدرتك علي فلا أهلك وأنت الثقتي ورجائي يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا دارك الهالكين يا دارك الهالكين يا دارك الهالكين اكفني شر كل طارق يطرق بليل أو نهار إلا طارق يطرق بخير إنك لكل شيء قدير بسم الله أرقي نفسي من كل ما يؤذي ومن كل حاسد الله شفائي بسم الله رقيت 
اللهم رب الناس اذ بالباس اشفي انت الشافي وعافي انت المعافي لا شفاء الا شفاؤك شفاء لا يغادر السقم ولا الم يا كافي يا وافي يا حميد يا مجيد ارفع عني كل تعب شديد واكفني من الحديد والحديد والمرض الشديد والجيش العديد واجعل لي نورا من نورك وعزا من عزك ونصرا من نصرك وبهاء من بهائك وعطاء من عطائك وحراسه من حراستك وتأييد من تأييدك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام والمواهب العظام أسألك أن تكفيني من شر كل ذي شر إنك أنت الله الخالق الأكبر وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه والحمد لله رب العالمين ظاهر وباطن وعلى كل حال يا أرحم الراحمين Take a few minutes for silent dua صلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين